With Halloween just around the corner, my family has plenty of tricks and treats planned. But thanks to Pampers, one thing I have never been afraid of is a leaky diaper. Fear no leaks with new and improved Pampers Swaddlers, now featuring a blowout barrier at the back waist that helps prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. We've always looked forward to getting the girls dressed up for Halloween when they were babies. And with Pampers, we knew that in addition to being absolutely adorable in their costumes, they would be dry, clean, and comfortable. With Swaddlers, you can rest assured that you have superior leak protection while keeping baby skin healthy. Pampers Breathe-Free Liner wicks away wetness, allowing baby skin to breathe, while the lock-away channels help keep baby skin dry and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Pamper Swaddlers are available in sizes newborn to size 8 and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you. There's a saying that goes, you can't be what you can't see. It can kind of shake you when you live in a world where like, you just do not see yourself. Annie Sagata, or Annie Eleni, as she's known online, is an activist who uses platforms like YouTube, Instagram, and Tumblr to agitate, educate, and share her personal experiences of disability, chronic illness, LGBT plus rights, mental health, and so much more. Her work has earned Annie a loyal following. She has over a million views on YouTube. She's also the mastermind behind the Future is Accessible campaign, a rallying cry for visibility and intersectionality. Annie, I am so happy to be with you. I'm so excited to be here today. Where did you think there was an opportunity for a voice like yours? I still to this moment think that there's like such a huge window for disabled people to have their voices heard. There is a strong disability community and chronic illness community online, but a lack of like actual visibility in terms of what we're talking about in terms of like using our faces, using our voices. Did you know from the start that you wanted to build something bigger? No. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> uh, the beginning of creating content was literally just self-expression. Eventually, I did slowly start to figure out, oh, this is helping other people. This is mm -hmm. something that people are kind of hungry for in the same way that I was hungry for it. Because of so, the views, because of comments, what tipped you oh, off? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Certain comments, certain messages would say things like, I've never seen somebody so confident using a wheelchair or using a cane. And see, my response is like, really? Because I struggle a little bit at this point in my life to remember that, yeah, that was me too. That I was once upon a time completely segregated from disabled community and from having a timeline, a news feed that was 
filled with confident disabled people with like very diverse narratives and very diverse desires and wants and dreams and 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 jobs mm-hmm. uh, and personalities. So <laughs> when I read things like that, people like at the very start, right? People just starting to learn. They're learning about themselves at that point. They're mm-hmm. learning like, oh, I, I can also be that confident person who uses a mobility aid. Ooh, I'm like emotional <laughs> about that. Like there's a there's a saying that goes, um, you can't be what you can't see. Uh, so for a lot of people, like it's just, it probably feels like a desert to them. It can kind of shake you when you live in a world where like you just do not see yourself. We talk about that a lot in the context of media consumption and being Latina and not growing up and having a lot of people to look to on television, mm-hmm. on radio. But then you add in a whole other identity or myriad other identities, and then you really, really aren't seeing yourself. Right. Yeah. You you feel strange and you feel ugly and you feel out of place. And those feelings all just bundle up into this incredibly negative self-worth of a human being. And I used to deal with that just in terms of, like, body image. Like, yes, I'm a very, like, intersectional person. I'm a brown person. I'm a a chubby slash plus size person. Now I use mobility aids. So, like, aesthetically, something that I don't get to see a lot of in media, adding, like, being LGBT on there as well, like... There was really nobody to be like, hey, you can be all these things and be accepted and be cool or desired, loved loved. and desired. Like, uh, so I wanted and I still do. I want to create something, a narrative, including queer disabled people of color, because as bizarre (laughs) as that sounds to people who are not in the community or very segregated from the community. That is my life, and that is my circle of friends. What's your favorite video you've ever made? Mm-hmm. There's so many. Is there one you've gotten a strongest response to? Yes. It's a video called How to Spot a Fake Disability, which is a clickbait title. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, yeah, yeah, it is. And, uh, it's about how you can't, <laughs> you cannot spot a fake disability. I found out that people were actually searching for that, like on Google, like, like, cause they want to play detective with like people's disabilities. <laughs> and so when I found out people were searching for it, I was like, well, if you're going to search for it, I want you to find this instead. There's a big issue with like, people are very upset that they believe that people are faking their need of disability placards for whatever reason. If they, like, walk away from their car, if they're young-looking, if they're too fashionable, whatever their reason. Has this happened to you? Um, The funniest one was when I was just starting to use a wheelchair because my walking limit had decreased to, like, a couple minutes or so. A woman saw me park my car, get my wheelchair out of the trunk, and go into a store. And I guess because she saw me do that, because she saw me, like, stand up and get my wheelchair out of the Mm -hmm. trunk, she decided to confront me inside the store. But it was to say, honey, did you know if you just lost some weight, you probably wouldn't need to use that wheelchair, (laughs) which sucked. 
poor me. I even tried to like explain it to her. I'm like, actually, it's because I have this condition. That, and she like interrupted me. It was like, yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know. But really, if you just lost some weight, you wouldn't need to use it anymore. I was like, Ugh. it's amazing how people feel free to just weigh in. I mean, that's that's in so many, so many, so many cases. This happens to me with uh, my condition with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome too. People are so in a hurry to assume that they have the solution, that they're going to be your hero, right? They're going to tell you, <laughs> they're going to tell you how to fix it. Like I, I think I try to explain Ehlers-Danlos syndrome to people the most basic way. It's connective tissue disorder. It affects the collagen in my body. The collagen is essentially the glue that holds the body together. So I try to find an analogy for it. I'm like, okay, if a house is put together, it's put together with cement. My house is held together with strawberry jam. <laughs> it doesn't work. But they hear the word collagen. So they're like, well, have you tried taking collagen supplements? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, that's not how this works. My DNA is literally creating <laughs> defective collagen. So adding more is not going to fix it. It doesn't end. <laughs> but then the second part to that is if I were well enough, I need to use mobility aids. And a lot of places locally are not accessible to me. Meaning your wheelchair, right. a cane. Mm -hmm. I, I have like specific needs if I'm using a cane. For example, I could probably take a car from home to a restaurant and use my cane because if the car parks like right in the front door of a restaurant, it'll take me less than 30 seconds to get from the car to a chair inside the restaurant. And that's what I need to be on my feet for less than 60 seconds. When my babies were going through their exploration stage, I had so much to worry about. Falling over, bumping heads. What did she just put in her mouth? The list was endless. But when they were in pamper swaddlers, I knew I never had to worry about a leaky diaper. Swaddlers are great for both baby and mommy. They keep your baby's skin healthy and dry with Pampers Breathe-Free Liner, which wicks away wetness, allowing your baby's skin to breathe. Swaddlers have always given me peace of mind knowing that diaper rash and leaky diapers were not in our future. There's also the blow-up barrier at the back waist to help prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blow-ups. Pamper Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic and free of parabens and latex. Your baby deserves that. And they're available in a wide range of sizes from newborn to size 8 and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. Having a diaper you can depend on is important, and it's why I have always loved Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club. Hey, Red, what are you up to? Just making sure all the M&M's gifts are wrapped and the balls filled. Remember that one holiday party when we had no M&M's? Oh boy, I still have nightmares. The cookies? Yeah, you used all the M&M's candies that were meant to decorate the party treats to decorate snowmen. You did it again, didn't you? <laughs> they do look cute, though. Bringing cheer. M&M's for all fun kind. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th 
at 6.30 p.m. We're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. Let's back it way up. Mm -hmm. What was your experience of seeking out your diagnosis? Oh, that was <laughs> long and difficult. I, I wasn't all that symptomatic when I was younger. And I think around the age of 23, I was in a job where I had to wear heels and I was like on my feet for like eight hours a day. And I thought that it was a me problem that I was in so much pain wearing heels at this job. People who work in the service industry go home and they put their feet in hot water because they were on their feet all day. Like, so pain was normalized. It was but like, the pain you were experiencing was very different. Yeah. And I didn't know that because I just thought that everybody was feeling the same pain. So when did you say there's something about this that is not that? <laughs> when my walking limit became like five minutes long, the seven hour mark would hit and I'd be like, boss. You got to get me a stool up here in the front because I can't stand up. And then it just kept declining. I was just kept thinking, I must be so weak. I need to raise my tolerance for this, like, because everybody else can do it, but I can't do it. I literally was just thinking, like, it was the shoe thing. It was the standing thing. And But are you um, Googling this? I mean, are you trying to find answers? At that point, no. But finally, when, when I got to the five-minute mark and I was like, okay, I need that. I was like, I can't stand up. I need to get a cane, a mobility aid. I did start my process of trying to get diagnosed. So I went to go get a checkup and they did x-rays and they're like, ah, oh, nothing's wrong with you. So how do you go from there to actually getting your diagnosis? Um, through internet research. I brought to them to the table, I'm like, I would like to be tested for Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome because I've been researching it because doctors over and over and over for three years, they would say things like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with you. It's all in your head. Like, or maybe you have some trauma. Maybe it's conversion disorder. Like, they would, like, literally call me crazy. So I talked to a neurosurgeon who, like, injected me with steroids in the back to try to, like, decrease the pain. But I was undiagnosed Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome with a collagen defect. And steroids messes up <laughs> collagen. So collagen that already wasn't working, they poked holes in it. So I couldn't get out of bed for like 10 days. Like I was stuck in a horizontal position because I didn't have enough strength to sit up on my own. And when I told the doctor that, he laughed and said, what you're describing is not possible. Then he looks at these scans of like my pelvic because he thinks that the pain in my back is coming from my pelvic. And he sees essentially that I'm walking around on dislocated hips and he's like, what the heck? This does not make sense. How could you possibly be walking on dislocated hips? And I said, okay, well, sir, what you are looking at is actually a symptom of what I'm telling you I think I have and would like to be tested so for. So when does someone finally say, okay, yes, you are correct. You are internet sleuthing not is correct. Not this guy. But it did happen in this office when he kept gaslighting me and dismissing me and telling me that what I was saying was not possible, et cetera. He then suggests instead that he wants to do another operation where he would fuse my hip bones together. And I started freaking out, crying. 
because this person was willing to risk me being horizontal in bed for the rest of my life rather than actually listen to me. And when I started to cry, <laughs> when I started to cry, thankfully, uh, another doctor walked into the office to like hand him something. And she sees me crying and asks him, why is this young lady crying in here? Because I threw a fit. I like hit his desk. Like I was just full meltdown mode. And he, he like throws his arms up in the air and he goes, she thinks she has Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Like if I'm just the most uh, ridiculous human being on the planet. She confesses to that she's never heard of it before and looks it up on her phone and looks up at my dislocated hips on the screen and says to him, she could have this. <laughs> why Why are you being like this? And I don't know who she was or what kind of power she had over the situation, but his response to her was kind of an eye roll. And he said, fine, I'll send her to a geneticist, which is what I'd been asking for for at least a year. Uh, at the geneticist, it was as simple as she gave me a blood test and there it was on paper that my blood type was for classical Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. It was right there in the blood test. When you've pursued a diagnosis for three years, what did it feel like to finally have someone affirm that it was Ehlers-Danlos? I feel like, if I'm honest, I was too exhausted to feel anything. Mm -hmm. To this day, there's diagnoses I'm still trying to get because, like, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome is just the umbrella of a bunch of other stuff that's going on in my body. Many of your symptoms are invisible to others. How does that change your relationship with people in your life? I can only speak for myself. People cannot tell what I'm experiencing when I'm experiencing it. Something as simple as like putting a glass of water under the sink to like fill it uh -huh. with, with water. I'm experiencing pain in my hand from just trying to grip it. But from the outside, it just looks like I'm trying to fill a cup. People cannot see when I'm standing up. The longer I'm standing up, the more pain that I'm in because it's not really going to show my face. At this point, I'm so accustomed to pain that, like, it's just not going to read. You know how to cover. Yeah. And there's a bunch of, like, discreet things that I'll do. Like, I, I do a lot of, like, weight shifting from leg to leg. Or if there's, like, a chair or an ottoman, I'll, like, rest my knee on it. There's a lot of things that people see as rude, but when I'm doing it, I'm doing it to relieve pain. How has your family responded to your diagnosis? A lot. So I have a huge family, yes. Latino family. You're one of 12 uh, kids. Um, yeah, because I have a lot of half siblings and step siblings. Primarily, I'm the oldest of three. I have a bunch of aunts and uncles, and a lot of them were concerned and I have family who they see potential symptoms in their kids and they're a little freaked out about that because, you know, ableism <laughs> and, and thinking that disability means the end of their life and the end of their potential. And in Latino families, I've come to realize that, you know, their economic potential is extremely important and disability kind of like is very hindering to that fantasy of economic success. You started the hashtag, the future is accessible. What does an accessible future really mean? Oh. <laughs> the future is accessible to me. It came out of the lack of 
accessibility and the lack of disability visibility of the first women's march. So the word accessible specifically in there is based in the idea of making feminism accessible, making our activism accessible, and thus being more intersectional. Because if we don't consider accessibility in these spaces, then you're not including disability within Mm. your activism. But an accessible future overall, outside of the very like specific messaging of it, it's gonna it's gonna be so many different things because what's accessible for one person is not necessarily accessible for another. There's a great example online somewhere about um, um, someone might need captions because they are deaf, but then someone who is dyslexic does not really have full use of visual captions but needs other forms of being able to access the same information. So an accessible future is going to take a lot of consideration and a lot of awareness and a lot of education. What is your advice for other Latinas who want to use YouTube and Instagram as platforms for activism? My advice is do it. (laughs) Do it even if you're nervous. Do it even if you're scared. Do it even if you think you don't deserve to take up space. Like these are all the more reasons to do it, to take up space and to reaffirm yourself, reassure yourself that you are allowed to take up space, that you do deserve to take up space, not just in existence in the planet, but on social media platforms, because our presence is so important to ourselves and to other people, because without it, people feel so alone. And I, I'm trying to I'm trying to like put it into words of like how as much as I feel like Putting ourselves out there benefits other people by being representation, by being visible, and by, quote-unquote, normalizing our identities, our bodies, and our experiences. We can kind of hit the rewind button to talk about the cathartic experience of expressing yourself in that way Mm -hmm. because that builds you up. That allows you to learn about yourself. And the more we learn about ourselves and the more we kind of introspect and self-discover, the better people we can be. And it all just kind of spirals into itself. Like you are going to continue to improve yourself and bring good things to yourself. And by doing that, you're going to bring good things to other people. Penny, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks, as always, for joining us. Latina to Latina is executive produced and owned by Juleka Lentiqua-Williams and me. Maria Muriel is our producer. Carolina Rodriguez is our sound engineer. Emma Forbes is our assistant producer. We love hearing from you, so email us at hola at latinatolatina.com. And remember to subscribe or follow us on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. And please leave a review. It's one of the quickest ways to help us grow as a community.
a little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author, Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you.